Hi, welcome to Confessions of a Drama Teacher. I'm your hostess with the most drama, Mrs. Q. Before we begin, I would like to clarify something I said in my last episode. I said I live in a district where we can't afford to produce plays. I realized later that I meant to say I work in a school that can't afford to produce plays. I wanted to clarify this before moving on because later in this episode, I mentioned how the theater teachers in my district have rehearsals after school. That's because there are four other high schools in my district that are provided funding for play and musical production, but I will speak more on this later in the podcast. I just wanted it to be clear before moving forward that it is the school that cannot produce plays not the entire district. When I decided that I wanted to create a podcast, I knew I wanted to touch on the coronavirus right at the beginning because it is the most relevant and current topic in teaching. But as I was drafting out the script for this episode, I slowly started to realize this topic was becoming more about my own complaints and less of what I intend for this podcast to be, a place to share and feel heard. So the format for this episode will be a little bit on how my own teaching practices have changed, and I will be sharing my thoughts on an article that I found that I feel relate to us as teachers in the current times. The article will be credited and will be linked in the description for this episode. COVID-19, the virus that has temporarily changed our everyday operations. Whether you believe in it or not, you can't deny it has changed the way we teach. Before I dive too deep into this topic, I want to point out this is not a political podcast. I'm not here to debate how the country is handling the virus or if the virus even exists. I'm here for the sole purpose of discussing how measures to prevent the spread of the virus has changed how schools function for most of the United States. The first major change for myself and other teachers within my district was how and when our PLC met. For those of you who are unfamiliar with how professional learning communities work, they usually have a set time for meeting and it's usually once a week or more depending on their needs. I'm the only theater teacher in my school, but I'm not the only theater teacher in my district. My PLC consists of six other theater teachers around the district. This includes elementary, middle, and high school teachers. And prior to COVID, we met once, maybe twice a semester at one centralized location. This is not unusual as most of these other theater teachers have after-school activities such as drama club or performance rehearsals, and it makes it challenging to meet after school more than once or twice a semester. In March, when our state decided they would close the schools for the safety of all, our district mishandled the entire situation. And this is where I'm going to pause and say it was at this point in my original draft that I went on a tangent that my friends and family have heard thousands of times before. I realized I was using this episode as a way to vent my frustration, and while it did help getting it out of my system, it's not the purpose of this podcast. And now that I've said that, I will continue with my district mishandled the situation. They sent out misinformation for the rest of the semester and never acknowledged their own mistakes. Instead, looking like fools, 
because they didn't know what to tell parents or how to make everyone happy. This has only continued into the fall semester. They had the teachers and principals where most schools were either 100% online or 100% face-to-face. Our school district chickened out of either option and allowed our parents to choose how their children could attend school. They offered an alternating face-to-face weekly schedule where their students were in class one week and then virtual the following week. They also offered a 100% online option for students that did not feel safe returning to schools. Now, don't get me wrong. I have no problems with either option as long as the face-to-face options are done safely, but it was obvious to everyone that the school board decided with this hybrid option because they wanted to make everyone happy. As you can imagine, this has only made it more challenging for the teachers within our district. Students are now allowed to turn in work as late as they want, even if we're in a new grading period. Then they said they were going to lock our grade books a few days after the grading period, but that students were allowed to continue to turn in work, but it was up to the teacher if they accepted the late work. And if a student does turn in late work, we have to email the principal to unlock our grade book for 24 hours so that we can update the grade. It was becoming really challenging to keep up with all of their changes and expectations. And it's frustrating. Last year, I had a few students who did not want to participate, who received low or failing grades for not completing work. To a degree, I understand theater and performing isn't for everyone, but they still need to complete their work for their art credit. Even getting minimal effort was better than nothing and still is, but it was easier last year. I was able to talk with the students because they had to show up to class at some point, right? Now that my class is entirely online, my percentage of low or no participation is a lot higher. It's frustrating because I can email my students or send them messages through Canvas all I want, but if they don't respond, I have no way of knowing why they are not completing the work. Even our counselors are reaching out, but that doesn't even seem to be helping. The work is different this semester. Last year, a majority of their grades were performances with some written work and group work sprinkled in. This made my job grading a lot easier, but it was still a challenge to get my kids to understand they need to participate in order to receive a good grade. After their first failing grade for a performance test, they usually buckled down. The performing arts teachers in the district agreed the emphasis should be on participation instead of performance Any performance grades are now recorded and posted in Canvas this semester considering we have a weird setup with our students. This year, most of their assigned work is written and counted as a participation grade, but the weight of their performance grades barely affects their average grade. I was hoping the less performance grades would encourage my students to participate more, but if anything, it seems to have added more of an inversion to the work. I've seen a lot of theater teachers online talk about Canvas performances and Zoom classes, and you might wonder why I haven't offered those. 
Well, with the alternating face-to-face weeks and with some of the students being 100% online, I chose what I felt would be the easiest option for everyone in the class and myself. I chose to record my lesson for my virtual students and teach that same lesson to my face-to-face students. There were too many variables with trying to teach face-to-face students and online via Zoom, so I decided against the recorded live Zoom class. Even with the most lenient of options for my students, I'm still struggling with participation. So asking my students to put together a whole show where they depend on each other was not an option I thought was best for my students. I also understand this is not the norm for a lot of theater classes or for a lot of teachers everywhere. I'll be talking more about this in my next episode, but the students that attend my school are not exactly aspiring actresses and actors. Most of them are just hoping to get into a community college or go straight into the workforce, which just adds to the frustration. As I said, this will be discussed at length in my next episode. And the semester hasn't been all bad. I've had my return students and they have said some of the sweetest things that remind me why I stick with this career. Now, this segment wasn't originally going to be in this episode, but after a conversation that happened between the other teachers on the hall where my auditorium is located, I felt like I needed to share. I'm on the same hall as the social studies teachers. They were discussing how they were going to finalize their grades after the grading period ends on Monday. One teacher was livid. He was talking about his worry the school and or district will make us pass all our students, even the ones who are failing. This is pretty much what the district decided to do in March with the shutdowns. They pretty much passed everyone, even the ones who didn't really deserve it, but hey, it was a worldwide pandemic that was only supposed to last a few months. Things were supposed to be back to normal by now. Well, they aren't, and we have all been working very hard to try to make our content engaging for both face-to-face students and virtual students. I can understand his frustration of working to help the students, and there still being so many, too many, who are failing. There is another reason why I feel his frustration, but another time, another episode. The head of the social studies department was asking how they should finalize their grades and if grade replacement should be an option. Eventually, the conversation led to the statement, well, if anything, this semester has taught us that a hybrid teaching option is something we could do in the future. There are some students who should not be offered this option, but it is possible. I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to sound like I was complaining, but for me, it has not been possible. My students are struggling with being students and babysitters and failing my course because this type of learning environment is not conductive for most teenage learners or at least not the teenage learners that attend our school. I have to disagree with this teacher. Online learning is an option for about 20% of our student population. In the meeting we had last week, we learned 80% of students are failing at least one class, and some of them are seniors who only have two classes on campus. So technically, they are failing 50% of their class. 
So no, for our school, online learning should not be an option, especially if teachers are expected to put in as much work or even more work than we usually do into our classes without online as an option. At this point, I would like to share an article I found on weareteachers.com. The full article can be found in the description of this episode. The title of the article is, Are Teachers Okay? No, and Toxic Positivity isn't helping. First, let's define toxic positivity. The article uses the common sayings, it could be worse, or look on the bright side, as examples of toxic positivity. The person saying these things means well, but in the end, they aren't really helping. What they are doing is focusing on the positive and rejecting or displacing the negative. This sounds great in theory. I mean, who really wants to focus on the negatives? But we have to think about how this makes someone feel. For those of us who rely on expressing our feelings, saying something like this makes us feel unheard and as if our feelings don't matter. The article points out how this looks in our schools. It's when the admin urge teachers to take time for self-care but then load us down with extra responsibilities or when we get a teacher strong banner but there isn't enough money to pay for soap in the bathroom it may also look like encouragement to teachers to stay positive but on the other side of those words there is no digging as to what the major issues are or how to solve them the article then points out that the end to toxic positives start with the public and anyone who has a teacher that they love in their life. They encourage others to stop telling teachers to do yoga and take baths. My school actually had an in-person yoga session in the school gym on a Monday when all of our students were virtual. Why? How could this one day possibly help us teachers? I spend most of my day updating my gradebook how am I supposed to take time to relax and do yoga when I had a deadline of upgrading my gradebook by the end of the day? Then, the article says us as teachers have to start taking responsibility as well. We have to take action before things will get better. The first step in the process is to stop showing up early and staying late. I'll admit, even before COVID, I was staying later than I needed to, but with COVID, when we first jumped into the semester, I was staying an hour past when I was supposed to leave so that I can make sure I was caught up on all of my students' needs. I haven't experienced that feeling at my school, but then again, my school is pretty relaxed. The article points out that at some schools, there is a competitiveness within teachers about who was there first and who left late. Most of us, however, do stay late to make sure our students feel taken care of. As this semester has gone on, I have learned to be more okay with, with making myself stop whatever I'm doing and leaving when I need to. I also made myself stick to a strict cutoff time when I was a teacher to when I become a fiance with pets and a house to look after. This year has been a lot harder to stick to that because I have more parents and students reaching out to me than ever, but I never respond unless it is within my working hours. The next step is to stop taking work with you everywhere you go. I have to admit, 
I don't have this problem. I do have an aunt who was also teaching during this time, and we have been trading our war stories at family get-togethers, but as far as taking physical work with me, I don't think my mental health can handle that. The article mentions grading papers in line and carrying papers in a tote, but again, I don't work unless it is within working hours. I also don't usually assign a lot of written work. I'm a drama teacher, so most of the work for my students are performance-based, and any written work they can in class on a big piece of poster paper in groups. Occasionally they have written work, but it's usually simple enough to be graded at school during my planning period. But I can understand how some teachers would feel that they do need to continue working even outside. The third step is to stop saying yes to more work because you feel like you should. Again, my school is pretty relaxed and this hasn't been a huge problem for me. They also let me run my own classroom how I see fit and they don't try to micromanage me. However, the district has overstepped their boundaries this year and has decided the best way to save their own butts is to micromanage the schools who then in turn have to micromanage us. The fourth step is to get past the teacher martyr work 24 seven story. I feel like I don't have much more to say on this. As I stated, I had to make a hard limit about cutting off my work hours. My time is mine and it is super important that I spend time with my fiance and my fur babies when I come home. The fifth and final step is that it's okay to view teaching as a job. Most of us, myself included, see teaching as a calling. While this is true for most of us, we still have to view it as a job and put our foot down or when we need to force ourselves to stop working to go home and have a glass of wine. This semester, more than anything, has shown me that it's okay to think of this calling as a job as well. Otherwise, I would never sleep. I would feel like a failure for all of my students failing, and I have, and I would have quit weeks, even This brings us to the end of Confessions of a Drama Teacher. I want to say thank you to those of you who have taken time to listen to my podcast. I saw in my analytics that I have some listeners in New Zealand as well as the US. I hope this podcast continues to grow and I hope we can all learn to lean on each other and grow as artists and as teachers. Next week, we will talk about the schools in my area and the types of students I work with. I mentioned them earlier in this podcast, but I'll be going into more depth in my next episode. Let me know what you thought of this episode by joining my Discord linked in the podcast description as well as the episode description. You can also leave a voice message on anchor.fm or send me an email at confessionsdramateach at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of the five steps to getting away from toxic positivity, or if you just want to share some of your experiences as a teacher, I would love to hear from you. This has been Mrs. Q with Confessions of a Drama Teacher. Until next time, stay dramatic. Thank you.